Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, diabetes late night. I remember conversations. We were dancing up on tables, taking pictures when we had nowhere to post. You were laughing, I was crying. We were dancing, we were dying. Sometimes I don't know how we walked away. If I'm honest, what I like were the things we didn't know. Every morning, every night, I'll be beating down your door just to tell you what I'm thinking, but you already know. Screw this, I don't want to go. So can we pretend that I'm 22 today, dancing on the tables with you? Oh yeah, can we pretend that we all end up okay?
who make it all possible. So first I want to thank Patricia Addy Gentle. She's been on the show almost dating back to July 2010. I think she actually started a month or two after. Maybe it was August. We'll have to ask her. Lisa Chester Weir, poet Lorraine Brooks, who's coming back tonight. She's going to be in a new show in the D.C. area. We're going to hear all about it. Uh, Catherine Schuler, Terry Simon, Mama Rosemarie, Jeff James from Sony Music, Tom Flannery, Janice Rosler, Dr. Beverly Adler, Susan Wiener, Tanya Cathys, Asher Brown, Chef Robert Lewis, and James Kosh, who have been working with me as um, all these years in different capacities. And I also want to give a special shout-out to Gabriel O'Brien and LGK Marketing, who were the ones to encourage me to start the podcast nine years ago. So looking back on nine years, I have to say uh, one of the things I most proud of is our Diabetes Mystery Podcast. And specifically, I say it because this year was such a big year for Divabetic. We hosted our first ever uh, Diabetes and Heart Health Escape Rooms with Behringer Ingelheim on Diabetes Alert Day, and that grew out of the Mystery Podcast. I think those Mystery Podcasts that we do every September are not only the most fun for me, but also the greatest challenge. And I think if you're really trying to understand my vision around diabetes advocacy and education, you should tune into those podcasts because it has all the elements that I try to bring together to encourage people to become advocates, to become detectives, to seek out information, to team up with friends, family, and their healthcare providers, and to um, really work together to find answers to the questions that are the most impactful in their diabetes life. Now, uh, you could tune into that coming up in uh, on September, gosh, when is that? September 10th, it's Gingerbread Men Prefer Blondes. It's our sixth annual Diabetes Mystery Podcast, and we're so excited to be coming back with a new show. We've got a lot more rehearsals coming up. <laughs> Yeah, but first I have to tell you, Divabetic's going to the dogs because in September, September 29th, I'm going to be at Central Farm Markets in Northern Virginia hosting our Collard Greens Wellness Day program. It's a great program featuring education. Uh, we're going to have amazing demonstrations of service dogs so you can see how service, what service dogs do and how they can help you manage your diabetes as well as other conditions. We're going to be having painting contests. We're going to have healthy food tours. We're going to have scavenger hunts. We're going to have Ask the Veterinarian. You can bring your dog down and ask your veterinarian questions about that, as well as meet with certified diabetes educators and talk about heart health as well as diabetes. It's all for free. It's at Central Farm Markets. You can find out more about it at divabetic.org. And again, after nine years, I'm going to the dogs. All right, so tonight, joining me on our ninth annual anniversary podcast will be Beyond Type 2, Tiara Smith, Catherine Lawrence, who's celebrating 50 years of living well with type 1 diabetes, plus-size model, makeup artist, and Glamazon beauty founder, Kim Baker. Our good friend, Leola Collins, will be back, poet Lorraine Brooks, Dr. Mandy Reese, and the Charlie's Angels of Outreach with the one and only Patricia Addy Gentle. Throughout this podcast, we're going to be playing music from Pink's Hard to Be Human album, courtesy of Sony Music, and we want to thank Sony Music for keeping the conversation grooving all these years. Now take a minute and check out 5 Equals 10 Men's Underwear and Athleisure Wear Merchandise. 5 Equals 10 is donating 10% of the company's profits to Divabetic and other nonprofit organizations right now. Making a difference is part of 
five equal tens core values. They understand the importance of providing others with opportunities. And together, we can make this world a better place, and we can all live a happy and well life with diabetes. So please visit five equals ten. All right, on her new album, she entitled it Hard, Hurts to be Human because Pink felt that in 2019, if you're present and not totally escaping your feelings and you're looking around at what's going on in the world, especially in the United States, it hurts. <laughs> and if you choose to remain open-hearted, then it's going to be hurt for a while. So here's Hurt to be Human, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. Oh, you make yourself so pretty, even when it's not. Didn't choose, but it's the only one we've got And sometimes I get so tired of getting tired of feeling my thoughts You're the only one that ever makes it stop Got it hard to be human Without you, I'd be losing if someday all right, that was Fink, and I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and you're tuning in to Diabetes Late Night. Tonight we're celebrating our ninth anniversary of podcasting. We've got special guests coming up all night long, including Catherine Lawrence, who's celebrating 50 years of living well with type 1 diabetes. She's going to walk us through every decade of Dazzle in a little while. But first, time to fill our hearts and our heads with some inspiration with my first guest, poet Lorraine, poet and actress Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm good. Uh, happy anniversary. How are you tonight? Thank you. Happy anniversary to you, too. I'm very well. Thank you. You, um, I teased at the beginning that uh, you're returning to the stage after your recent triumph. So tell everyone what you're going to be doing down in the D.C. area. <laughs> well, I am uh, part of a one-act play festival at the Laurel Mill Playhouse in Laurel, Maryland. And um, I am uh, in one of the plays called The P-Team, and I am playing the role of God. Of course you are. I can't think of anyone else better suited to play that role. <laughs> I can. What does, God get to do? what does God do in the play? Well, um, it, it's basically, I don't want to give too much of it away in case there's anybody who's going to come see it, but it's basically um, a, a board meeting between God and some of his um, appointees, and we're trying to figure out how to get rid of the Pharaoh. He's being a pain in the neck. So you're going to have to um, post it on, send it to me, and we'll post it on Divabetic at Facebook, and we'll put it on the website so everyone can come check it out. Congratulations, I will. Uh, Lorraine. I love that you're pursuing this because you worked backstage on Shrek a little while ago, plus you were in a show, and now you're you're continuing on with it. I think it's great. I, I think it's a thrill, and I, I support you in, in doing this. Has it been fun? Well, thank you, Max. Yes, it is fun. It, um, it's not only fun, but it it. it you know, it boosts your self-confidence. It helps you to to kind of put yourself out there and not be afraid. And it 
helps with public speaking and, you know, and anxiety. And it, it's very good in a number of ways. And, and plus I got to meet a lot of nice new people because I just moved here to Maryland a few years ago. And I didn't really know anybody. So this is a real outlet for me to meet some really creative and fun and interesting people. So I am. I'm enjoying it very much. Okay, so before you read your newest poem, which we're looking forward to, uh, in our ninth anniversary, since you are going to be playing God, if you could change one thing around diabetes care, what would it be? Um, I would tell Medicare that they need to do better with senior citizens and diabetes uh, diabetes care and diabetes supplies. They're very difficult to deal with. I love it. I think that's, I agree with you. I think that's really important. I think more needs to be done. And, you know, a little bit later on, Catherine Lawrence is going to kind of walk us through how the price of insulin has changed over the past 50 years. And we'll hear more about how she's been managing it with skyrocketing costs. But it is an issue for a lot of people. It's one that we continue to talk about on this podcast, and we will continue in the months coming up. All right, so Lorraine, uh, what are you going to share for us tonight? Well, um, I toyed with the idea of reading something that I had written already because it is your anniversary. But then I thought, no, I'll do something um, for your anniversary. So the name of my poem is To the Max. (laughs) And so so it's been nine years of seeing us through. So let me just say we're so glad that you're you. From helping with diet and foods we should eat to talking with experts and folks on the street, encouraging glamour in the face of our pain and giving us hope when our health starts to wane, for telling us stories with fairy tale fame to helping us stay on the top of our game. From murder and mayhem and bad cooking jokes to serious, frank conversations on strokes. For warning us all to take care of our hearts and how diabetes affects private parts. For all of your humor and campy design, the message is clear. You want us to shine. So here's to another nine years on the air, and here's to us knowing you'll always be there. Now let's celebrate all the things we can do, and glam more and fear less like Max wants us to. Incredible. Thank you so much. um Wow, private parts, I think is my favorite line. I really wanted to celebrate tonight. It's been so memorable, and, you know, I still have the same passion for what I do today that I had uh, nine years ago, and uh, one of the reasons is because I get to work with you, and I, as well as Patricia and Lisa and my mom and everyone else who comes on regularly. And I'm just so blown away. Thank you so much for that because it means a lot to me. I, I, I feel like we need to honor those milestones more and more as time goes by. I guess as you get older, you feel that way. And so I, I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Well, 
Thank you so much, Lorraine. Well, that was a really surprise tonight. I didn't mail it to you. That's why. I love it. Thank you so, so much. Well, uh, Lorraine Brooks, and Lorraine, will be, we'll post that on Facebook, and uh, we'll put it on the website. So please send it to me, and we'll send it out. That was a complete surprise, everyone. And, but it's real. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going to uh, continue on with the show. Thanks, Lorraine. Good luck on the go, good luck playing God. I don't think you need any rehearsal. You've already got that part down. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Matt. We'll look, you'll send me the dates, and we'll post them. All right, well. Pink is back. Our musical uh, icon says uh, she's, hiding, she's not hiding any skeletons in her closet. She opens up on this next song, "Morning," but don't go pushing too hard. I'm not. Um, I'm not so easily manipulated. It's really a beautiful song, along with this entire album. Here's my attic, courtesy of Funny Music. So we posted on Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, and Facebook yesterday. We had a lot of people uh, answer the question correctly, so they're all part of the random drawing to win a Glamazon Beauty lipstick, uh, lip gloss, and mascara as part of our Glamour Fearless celebration. But first, I thought we should move on and talk to the real celebration, which is an amazing woman, Catherine Lawrence, who's been on our show in the past. She's back, and this time... She's celebrating something. Yeah, she's celebrating 50 years of living well with type 1 diabetes. Ooh la la. So let's welcome Catherine Lawrence. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Matt. Thank you. Wow, 50 years of living with type 1 diabetes. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I'm quite blessed and uh, don't know how I got to 50 years because uh, it wasn't always good, um, and I did a lot of things wrong but learned from them, and uh, and I keep trying and I just keep going. And, and, I mean, I love your attitude. You shared with us all the different uh, – we're going to go through decades one by one, but before we okay. do uh, – to ask you this question. Do you like playing games? Oh, I love playing games. All right, because joining the show with me right now is our one and only Patricia Addy Jones. Hello, Patricia. Yay. Hi. And then Patricia uh, and <laughs> Catherine, just to make it more fun, we have a we have a mystery diva coming in. Hello, so diva. Oh, hello, diva. Oh. 
It's time to pass the boa and show us your new attitude. It's our ninth anniversary, so we're bringing in Leola Collins, who's been on our show in the past. Leola, how are you? Thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you. I'm good. And happy anniversary. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a, it's well, it's we've got 41 more years to go. <laughs> Patricia and I to reach Catherine. All right, so Catherine, um, we posted this question on our Facebook group, which I don't think you saw, and we're going to ask you the question now, and okay. then, okay. Um, uh, and then, uh, Leo is going to give us a little personal testimony to it after Patricia tells us if it, if if it's true or false. Okay, so it is a true or false question. Often there are no ser- uh, signs of serious gum disease. Is that true or false? Wait, say, say it again. True or false? Often there are no serious signs of gum disease. Um, uh, that's false. False. There, so you're saying it, you're saying the answer is false. There are no signs of. Uh, signs no, of no, 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 no. I'm saying disease. there are signs of of, of gum disease. I'm saying yes. Patricia? But the, yes, Catherine is, a, is right. It is worded confusingly. So, Patricia, what's the answer? Catherine is right. There are signs of serious gum disease very often. And sometimes, um, you know, it can be very serious and you might not know until there is damage. So, right. regular visits to your dentist are the best thing you can do to guard against gum disease. Absolutely. And, Le- and Leola, you're living with type 2 diabetes, and you've, you've experienced this. So tell, tell us a little bit about your story. It's pretty much um, like she just said. Um, uh, just give you a little background. I um, lost my job in 2017, so that led to not having insurance. And I had been a person that visited the dentist every six months. But after that, that just wasn't a priority for me. So I thought I even lost the, um, one of my caps in my teeth, and I let that hole sit there for a while until I could get to a dentist, which was like a year later. And I only went then because I was experiencing some inflammation in the gums, and I actually went to emergency before I saw the dentist. And I realized that after just going that one year without having a proper cleaning, and having that filling missing, I should say a filling, not the cap. And I found that, or they diagnosed me with periodontal disease. Mm. Um, because I thought on the surface my teeth looked fine. I knew that they would get a little sore sometimes, that kind of thing, but not a big deal. I was brushing daily and thought it was okay, but I found that, Bacteria builds, and it can cause major damage, especially by me living with diabetes. Um, I know that I did have some high blood sugars during the time, and even after diagnosis and being told that I had to have a deep cleaning to try to correct the issue, I still didn't believe it. But I had a classmate that is a dentist in another state, and she literally talked me through it and told me that it happens, it's okay, but... It seemed like my dentist had me on the right track with doing the deep cleaning and stressing to me the importance of brushing a few times a day, flossing, and using mouthwash. 
just to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm getting rid of the bacteria and not letting it build up anymore. But on the surface, like the question pretty much said, everything looks fine, but it's really not. And so did you what, um, what's it like today? Did you catch it early enough, or have you had to have any more uh, work done? I caught it early enough. I should say, well, I they caught it early enough for me to just be like on a watch at this point, but I do have times where the inflammation will come back, and I'm reminded that I have to stay on top of the flossing and the brushing. Um, one thing that my dentist friend said that um, just don't floss the teeth that you don't want anymore. Um, otherwise, you should be on a regular flossing Jeez. routine at all times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's don't just... floss the teeth you don't want, want anymore. Wow. Okay, I'm going to be I'm going home to floss tonight. But uh, Patricia, is this common for people with diabetes to be at higher risk for gum disease? Yeah. Yes, it it is very common because diabetes makes the mouth so um, prone to other oral infections as well, such things as thrush, uh, poor healing, yeah. dry mouth, mm-hmm. and um, you see it quite often. And, and like Leola said, a lot of people with diabetes don't see that as a priority. But good dental health is essential to people all people, and especially those with diabetes, because of that high risk. And another note, um, it can be so serious that it can cause um, heart disease as well. It can cause problems with the heart if it gets into the bloodstream, the infection. And some people I've had the question come from people asking me, well, now that I wear dentures, is it important that I see my dentist? And it is because... Although there are dentures, you still have gums. So gum disease is still um, something, it's it's a potential that gum disease can occur even in a person with dentures. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, go on. I'm sorry, Leola. I'm sorry. Um, One of the other things that my dentist friend told me is that you, that I risk the chance of losing teeth if I didn't take care of it. Um, oh, so it's, yeah. I learned that it's very important. Um, it's just even without having insurance, that we have to find a way to get that dental care. Yes, and, and the bony I, I structure. I don't think it gets a lot of. Um, I don't think it gets a lot of uh, uh, interest or attention. And I'm curious, Catherine. Uh, since we are talking about your uh, milestone this year with 50 years, where did, when did it become important to you? Was it always important, or do you feel like it was kind of brushed to the side? No pun intended. But. No, I'll, I'll tell you. As a youngster, um, well, we didn't have floss, and uh, we just brushed our teeth uh, twice a day. We're made to. And as we got older and floss became available, uh, yeah, then then we started using it, and we're made to use it uh, daily to uh, to help us. I mean, sometimes I didn't, uh, sometimes I did. I mean, but uh, I do it very regularly now, and uh, I see my dentist uh, very regularly, and um, I have I have good teeth. I mean, yeah, I have a lot of crowns and stuff, but uh, but I do have uh, I do have good teeth. He said, and. Uh, that also is part of the diabetes. The diabetes plays a big part in that also. 
a real big part in uh, in uh, healthcare in your uh, in your mouth. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Now, uh, Leola, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 2008. 2008. So I'm sure you take for granted your blood glucose monitor. But back, uh, Catherine, when you were diagnosed, (laughs) Leola's been living with diabetes for 11 years. 11 years into your diagnosis, they still didn't have a glucose monitor. uh, You didn't have a glucose monitor. So how would you know what your blood sugars were when you were first diagnosed? Uh, I I I wouldn't. Um, well, no, they um, they they did have something when I was diagnosed in, in 1969. They did have something, and you had to urinate into a container, and you took uh, two drops of urine with a with a, uh, a, pl- a little plunger, and uh, and uh, then you put ten drops of water in it. And it's a test tube that they give you with the kit, and then you, after that, you put what's called a Clinitest tablet in it, and it it makes a it it bubbles up and gives you a color, and the best color is blue because that means no sugar. The worst color is brown, which I got a lot of, uh, means you have sugar. Now, as far as how much, no idea, not not none whatsoever. But to to uh, to help not it help it not get any higher you would take your doctor would tell you you know allow you to take so many uh units of insulin just to to bring it down a little bit and then you you would have to continue to do the urine test until it got blue again and that was how I you had to do so it fascinating and wait i wanted to bring in a special guest we have her here tonight dr mandy reese uh she's a pharmacist she's a certified diabetes educator and I was emailing her about your story to find out more about the history of just diabetes self-care. So it's kind of important that we're talking about right now. Uh, Dr. Manny, welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, Catherine Lawrence is on, and so is Leola. Leola was diagnosed in 2008. Catherine Lawrence was celebrating her 50th year of living well with type 1 diabetes. And back in 1959, we were just going over this thing called the urine test, which, as Catherine said in some of the notes she sent me, you can't really put that in your pocket. You had to carry kind of a big bag, right, Catherine? Yeah, yeah, you had to. And and, and most of the time I, I didn't carry it because it was uh, it was really was a pain in the neck to have to pull out a, a, a test tube and and urine. You had to have a container to urinate in, and um, it was it really it really wasn't uh, something you wanted to carry around with you. But if you did, yeah, you could. You could. So how effective was it, Dr. Mandy, in your research? What have you? How effective was were these urine tests? You know, um, they were a start. Um, I would say they were minimally effective, um, just because they could say yay or nay whether glucose was in the urine, but they couldn't give you a sort of quantitative measure of how much was there. It's really interesting. They actually started using um, urine sort of reagent strips back in 1850. Um, so they started with that and then doing paper, and you basically put the, some um, urine on the paper to test and see if sugar was present. And then in 1908, they actually came up um, with a copper reagent, which is basically a compound that's there, but if sugar is present, it will react with it. 
And basically, they took that compound that Stanley um, Benedict created in 1908, sort of refined that, and then in 1945 created the clinicast. Wow, so they were well, starting to look at blood sugars all the way back to 1908? It actually started It's really going way back to even 1850 is the very first test where they used a strip with drops of urine on it. And then it progressed over time to where they were using paper and putting urine on it. And then they um, came up with using copper as the compound to see if there's reaction. And then in 1945, coming up with the Clinitest tablet. Well, doctors well, also... really understand this because... I'm sorry, I'll ask Captain, But, I mean, this predates the discovery of insulin in uh, 1921, right? So, I mean, like 50 years before yeah. that, they were already kind of beginning to, they were beginning to figure this out, that there was something going on, and they were looking for blood glucose in, in the urine. They, is that what you're saying? They kind of had identified that it was something in the urine they were looking for? Well, that was that they basically was the urine was the one body fluid at that point in time that they had identified as they were going to use that particular fluid as a way to detect the glucose um, or the sugar in the urine. There. So. I think it's interesting. Well, Catherine, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say uh, now two things. Um, I even read way back when, uh, that um, at one time they would uh, uh, taste the urine and yes. uh, mm-hmm. if it was sweet, yeah. And um, also, I was when I was diagnosed at nine, uh, the doctor uh, took a strip with a, uh, you know, a, a, the piece at the end and dipped it into my urine and uh, it turned uh, black almost, you know, and um, right away it was, you know, he knew it was diabetes and sent me to uh, to a, a pediatric uh, uh, endocrinologist, and that was used, and that was used in 1969 to detect the diabetes in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leo, when you hear this, isn't it interesting to know that the device that you take for granted wasn't always around? Yes, definitely. It just the thought even of how the testing was done and the way she described it, some of those testing methods were like they may have taken a little bit of time and I'm usually on the run and <laughs> just can't see myself having that much time to, I'm sure I would have had to, to test, but like you say, taking that 15-second test for granted, imagine having to do that a few times a day and it's taking an hour. No, I agree. I think, I mean, first of all, it, be, it it had to be a little bit of a hassle, like you were saying, Catherine. And then, like Dr. Manny just said, you weren't getting instant results. You couldn't tell, as uh, you're going to tell us a little bit now, about how you use a continuous continuous glucose monitor, which could tell you where your numbers are and even if they're trending. So the arrows could help you know if you're stable or if you're trending down or tra- trending up. I mean, it is amazing in the 50 years. Uh, what's come along. So, Catherine Lawrence, what's like one of the biggest, um, what what has been the new, what technology has really changed your life? Uh, I'm going to have to say the CGM, the Continuous Glucose Monitor. Um, I've been pricking my finger for years, 
and uh, to the point of the the tips of my fingers would have little black uh, dots on them. And, uh, you know, when I, I wear an insulin pump, so I do eight to ten finger sticks a day. But I finally broke down and got on a continuous glucose monitor, and it's, it's, it's a true lifesaver. I know in an instant uh, what my blood sugar is. As a matter of fact, I just pressed the button, and I know my blood sugar is 102 right now. And so it's, it's just uh, – and, and you have to get used to it because – I was very confused and very upset when I saw the numbers that I was seeing when I first started with it. And my doctor told me, you know what, Catherine, you've always had these numbers. You've just never seen them before. And she was right, you know. And and your your your, your blood glucose can, can change as fast as your blood pressure. And, and I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that on this, on the continuous glucose monitor. It's just been well first it was the pump the insulin pump that really was the big deal and then now this i mean there's more to come there's more to come and um uh, it's there it's out there and it's coming all right right. hold that thought because when we come back we're going to have an opportunity to ask the pharmacist one of the most underrated members of our diva entourage for living with diabetes but first time for more music uh, this album, Hard to Be Human, is a little bit heavy on the power ballads, but I think they're all great. And on this next song, We Can Have It All, is actually one of my favorites. So here's Pink, our musical inspiration for our ninth annual podcast. Enjoy. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Medic. Welcome back to the show. We're kind of doing a diabetes roundtable. Hey, that's a flashback uh, to the early show. We've got Catherine Lawrence on, who's celebrating her 50th year living well with type 1 diabetes. Dr. Manny Reese is here, Patricia Addy Gentle, and Leola Collins is on the line. Uh, Leola, can you stick around for a while, or are you, go- are you going back to work? I can't remember. I'm still here. Email. I'm working, but here. All right. Well, here's the question. I'm going to ask both Catherine and Leola. How much how much time do you spend with your pharmacist every month? You go first, Leola. Catherine. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'll go first. Um I spend a good bit of time with my pharmacist. I ask a lot of questions when it comes to the medicines that I have to take. And I take a lot of medicine. And um I wanna know what what does this drug affect this organ? Uh, that organ, what does it do with the kidneys especially, uh, and or the liver, uh, and the heart, uh, the three big, uh, the three big organs that I worry about. And, uh, but, but my pharmacist is so good. He, he should be my doctor. He, he, he just, he explains everything that, uh, that I need to know to, to protect me and to, to, to give me advice 
and to give me uh, uh, answers that, that doctors can't give because they're not pharmacists. And how about you, Leola? I'm not spending a lot of time with the pharmacists now on a monthly basis, but the pharmacists, for me, it was important to find the pharmacists that I really connected to because I had a lot of questions too, and I wanted, and I, because I have the diabetes, the high blood pressure, so I needed to have someone that was willing to work with me to look at those things that she mentioned, and also cost was very important to me. So my yep. pharmacist would yep. find the best way for the what was most economical for me to work with dealing with all getting all these prescriptions. So I had to change pharmacists since I um, changed cities, but I had a good rapport with my pharmacist before, and this one is pretty good too about helping me out with making sure that I can get all the prescriptions that I need, or if there's something that just costs too much, what can we find? Working with the doctors to find a substitute. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I love it. All right, so Dr. Mandy, what are some do's and don'ts to kind of teaming up with your pharmacist? Because we just uh, heard two sides of the equation. One, Catherine spends a lot of time talking to the pharmacist, and even and Leola is as well talking about. Uh, she said cost is so important, but still, I think there's a lot more people out there, including most of our listeners, who really go to pick up their um, prescriptions and walk away. So how do we kind of begin to engage our pharmacist in our self-care? Sure. I think um, Leola brought up a good point of just finding one that, you know, really you can connect with um, and one that is going to take time to listen to your concerns and your questions, that you feel comfortable in asking them questions, um, and that you just feel like you have a trust um, with. Um, and really trying to stick with one pharmacist or one pharmacy so that they know all the medications that you're on and they can check for those drug interactions. Um, and just, you know, feeling like you can ask those questions, I would say probably not a good idea to necessarily go to the pharmacy around 5 o'clock in the afternoon um, because the pharmacy may be really busy filling all those prescriptions that have been called in from all of the uh, physician offices in the area. Um, but really finding one that you're comfortable with just talking and asking questions to. And I personally like um, having a pharmacy or pharmacist and being a pharmacist, one that has additional services that they provide at their pharmacy, so that they're, for example, um, a durable medical equipment approved. They have a license for that, so they can assist with glucometers and CGNs and that type of thing. This is a trend, though, isn't it, that these pharmacies are doing more of a regular routine doctor's visit? Because it seems to me, like I live in the New York City area, that there, a lot of these pharmacies are beginning to add more equipment to their areas and being able to do uh, much more regarding my overall health. Is that true or false, that there's a trend towards pharmacies taking on a little bit more responsibility in healthcare? Yeah, that's um, certainly true, um, particularly with independent, um, uh, you know, independently owned pharmacies or small chains. I have a friend that owns a pharmacy, and she she's a pharmacist, and she does health screenings, and she does blood pressure checks and cholesterol tests, and um, she does compounded medication, and she does um, has 
times for folks to come by and just simply ask questions, durable medical equipment um, that folks can get, and all sorts of just um, needs that have been like diabetes shoes that are designed for the local community for what people um, will need, and vaccinations as well. I want to talk about cost for a minute because we all have brought it up. How? Okay, so, you know, obviously um, our insurance is continually changing in the United States. So to Leola's point, how do you work with someone, how does a pharmacist work with someone to kind of deal with some of the monetary drawbacks or challenges that we face? Do we, uh, are they, do they show us alternatives? I would, uh, what would you say? So um, a couple of things, yes, certainly showing alternative medications. So, for example, if it's a brand name medication and the insurance has another preferred medication, definitely assisting and calling the physician's office, getting the medication changed. Um, also looking to see if there's discount cards online um, or programs through NeedyMed that a patient could get, a person could get patient assistance. Um, and looking for, you know, if there's a less expensive generic available, um, you know, working with patients on that. And then sometimes the situation is such that actually purchasing the cash, um, the cash price for the drug is actually cheaper than what the insurance copay is. So really finding the least expensive and also medication that at the same time finding um, if there's ways to programs out there to assist with the cost of medication. How about I specifically agree. the cost is, oh, go, I'm sorry, Catherine, go ahead. That's all right. I, I agree with everything you just said uh, because um, I, I go to a, a locally owned uh, a pharmacy and um, it's, uh, it's unbelievable the information that I get and the uh, uh from them of uh, where I can find uh, help, where I can get assistance, uh, and and I'm a woman and I have a male pharmacist that um, I'm just in love with, and he he is just so so uh, helpful with everything, uh, even over the counter uh, uh, supplements, etc. And um, they do they do do a good job, and they are doing more uh, vaccinations, et cetera. It's it's really really come around a lot, and and it's very very nice. And it yeah, helps. and even pharmacists. Yeah, you're so right. And even now, pharmacists, local pharmacists, are doing what we call transitions of care. So. When a person is discharged from the hospital, the pharmacy will call and review their medications um, on what they've been discharged on. And then also pharmacies um, and pharmacists are doing um, comprehensive medication therapy management. So they review all the medications that a person's on, um, how they're taking it, are they taking it, are there any barriers to the person taking it. Um, and they can do that comprehensively, really in-depth once a year and then um, also once a quarter. So really identifying any barriers that may be present for a person with regards to medic- taking medication. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about um, that a pharmacist could screen for cardiovascular disease. You've been talking about a few things that they, uh, Catherine just mentioned, the vaccines, but I'm really curious, can a pharmacist screen for cardiovascular disease? 
Yes, um, they can. There's actually a machine. It's called a Colostac machine, and basically you get a um, do a finger stick, and then you test the blood, and you can see what the cholesterol levels are. Cholesterol levels are um, also blood pressure. Doing blood pressure checks because blood pressure is a big part of elevated blood pressure is a big part of heart disease. And then also just utilizing risk um, scores that are out there to look at person's risk for having heart disease. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, Catherine and Lawrence, we're going to walk through some of the challenges you've been dealing with with type 1 diabetes, including uh, how it's affected your eyes, how it's affected your stomach, and so on and so on. So stay tuned. Okay. We're coming right back with the same group of people to find out more about 50 years of living well with diabetes. Here's Pink's song, Happy. Since I was 17 I've always hated my body And it feels like my body's hated me Can somebody find me a pill To make me unafraid of me Seen every therapist But I'm a cynical bitch Don't like to talk about my feelings I take another hit I find another fake fix Cause it's easier than healing I don't Time I try, I always stop me Maybe I'm just scared to be happy Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night We've got our Diabetes Ryan Table going on In celebration of our ninth annual podcast We're talking to Leola, Catherine, Dr. Mandy, and Patricia Eddie Gentle uh, We're getting into some of the nitty-gritty of Catherine Lawrence's experience living with type 1 diabetes. One of the first things that was affected uh, for you was your sight. Can you tell us a little bit about that story, um, Catherine? Yes. I was, uh, I was in surgical tech school, and um, my eyes weren't really seeing the board, and I was having trouble taking notes. And... Um, it got to the point where it was it was really really bad and I cu- I couldn't do it anymore and every every all the other students said we'll help you and I said no I have to take my own notes and I have to be able to see the board et cetera et cetera so I dropped out of out of that school and I immediately went to uh, an ophthalmologist and they said you have retinopathy and I said okay what do I do and they said well there's a procedure that's kind of new and it's laser therapy for your eye and I said okay well then I need to do it so I was in New Orleans and uh, I mean of course I was here and um, I I had it done um, by a doctor who really was ahead of his time with this and um, he actually saved my eyesight I had 4,500 laser burns in one eye and 1,500 in the other and uh, my ophthalmologist today tells me you have so much scar tissue in the back of your eye that you'll probably never have a, another bleeder, which is which is fine with me. I don't want another bleeder, you know. And that's what diabetes does. It affects everything, even the vessels in your eyes. Yeah, and I'm sure your story is in, is more common than people realize. Patricia Addy Gentle, what would you like to say? That is so true. Um, Yes, um, it's very common. If the blood sugars are high, then it puts pressure in the vessels, 
And so the odd vessels being as small and as fragile as they are can um, be affected. And so when that happens and the vessels are enlarged or engorged and they -hmm. become um, to a point where they start to break and rupture from fragility, then you have bleeders in the eye that you were just describing, and that is what affects the vision. So retinopathy is uh, a major complication in people with diabetes, and the way that we do treat that is with the laser surgery still. Yeah. And, Dr. Manny, a lot of people... Oh, I'm sorry. Was that Leola? I would say mine was a little bit different. It's called ocular hypertension, but I still had to have some kind of laser procedure, and it was caused by me having high blood sugars for a while. Yes, uh, the high blood sugars still will engorge or increase the the um, pressure in those vessels, and when they start to rupture, then you will have laser. Laser is the treatment that's preferred. Okay, high Dr. blood Manny, pressure also of... increases that. I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut anyone off, but I did want to ask a question, Dr. Manny, because a lot of people go to the pharmacy all the time to pick up eye drops because their eyes are dry, you know, and, and this mm-hmm. could also, um, I've done a little research, There's a, there is something with dry eye and diabetes. It might not lead to diabetes retinopathy, but there is something I think that take, people take for granted if they're experiencing dry eye. Am I correct? Yeah, and, and a lot of times, too, medications, something else to keep in mind is medications can have side effects and actually cause dry eyes. So that's something else to keep in mind as well. I take a lot of I take a lot of drugs and I do have dry eye and I also have the beginnings of macular degeneration. And uh that that's hereditary. So my mom had it and um I've also got that too that I'm 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 battling too now. And yet you still have a very positive attitude, which I truly appreciate, because at the end of your um, story that you wrote to us, we're going to share this a little bit later, you have, it really have made some major changes in your life, and also you've gone on to help so many people. So before you do that, though, I just want to give a quick news flash, because our friend at Diabetes Late Night, Stephen Wright Mark, sent us news that the National Federation of Blind announced Last week, in an agreement with the OrCam Technologies, the makers of the world's first, uh, most advanced wearable AI-driven artificial device, vision devices, these new glasses help people with vision impairment uh, navigate their work through life and, and uh their workplace, you could, uh, with these devices, you're able to read printed and digital text aloud from any surface in real time. Newspapers, books, computers, smartphone screens, restaurant menus also become immediately accessible. That's something new that's going on, and the device also recognizes the faces of people in your life. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It identifies. Wow. That's that was, amazing. You mentioned new technologies coming up. I wanted to make sure I said that. All right, so... Um, Catherine, let's go on a little bit because you, um, a lot of women in our who've been on our show or who've been part of our community have admitted at different times uh, they're not when they, if, depending on when they're diagnosed with diabetes, that they have a little bit of an issue with self-esteem, especially when it comes to dating. In your case, 
uh, early on in your 20s, you met someone who kind of changed your life. So I think this is a great story to hear about uh, your partner in life and, and allow, allow some of our listeners to hear that all things are possible with a life with diabetes, including love. Yes, yes, it's absolutely true. I met a young man um, in my late 20s, and uh, I told him I had diabetes, and uh, right away uh, he wanted to learn more about it uh, as we started dating, and um, I sort of trained him, and and he caught on very fast and um, helped me with uh, uh, knowing what to look for and what to what to see in me, what was happening, and could uh, actually tell me, um, I think there's something wrong, uh, you want to do a blood test, et cetera. Uh, he, he, and he comforted me and gave me confidence, a lot, a lot of confidence to continue on when I got depressed, when I, when I was, was, was fed up with it. And he said, no, no. And, uh, it, it just, it made the biggest difference in my world. Uh, I, I had never met anyone so so considerate and so loving and so compassionate, uh, not only about me and us, but about my diabetes. And um, I married him. <laughs> I don't blame you. I think, I think we could all agree. I know, Patricia, you know, we've worked together on so many programs. You always talk about how having someone in your life who kind of teams up with you is so important. And we're not just talking about health care now. We're talking about family members and partners and loved ones. And it is a big deal, right, to have someone like Catherine has supporting her all the time? Most definitely. When there is someone that is supportive and someone who is your friend and you can talk about various things that other people might seem to think are trivial, there, um, there is such a connection there. And so it's very important to have someone that you can talk with. Lots of times they will pick up on uh, things that you don't pick up on yourself because they're around you, they know you best, and they will see little signs that something is not quite the same. So it's, that's very important. Yes, yes. And now we're talking about um, high, blood, high and low blood sugar. So, I mean, Honestly, Catherine, educating your husband about your diabetes, I'm sure, has come in helpful when you've been experiencing a higher low, correct? Yes, very much so. Can you describe uh, he, anything around that so we, to give our, uh, our audience it, it, a it, picture? He can, he can tell from my actions and my words, and uh, I can get angry. I can feel ill. Um, I can uh, I, I can just be uh, just not myself uh, out of myself if, uh, if, if a lack of a better word. Uh, he, he understands and sees that and he says, uh, "Okay, something's wrong." You know, let's let's check the blood sugar again and let's uh, you know let let's see what it is and let's see what's making you feel this way. And uh, the highs are just as bad as the lows, and uh, the highs make me feel nauseous and and very very tired and the lows make me feel very very tired and very uh i just feel dilapidated uh uh it just it's a it's a it's a it's a cruel way to it's a cruel way to 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 the body to to treat you but uh that's what happens that's what happens with highs and lows uh 
they they make you feel very ill. And I've told a lot of other diabetics the same thing. When you're not feeling well, it it may it may be more than just a stomach ache. It may be something with your diabetes. So you know what? Do a blood test. Absolutely. See what it is. Yeah. And Leola, who do you to who do you turn to for support? Um, your team. Basically, when I started out, I was living in another city, not around any family. And I joined support groups. And a friend started an adult support group, and that we leaned on each other a lot for those days where we just learned different things. Or really, we had people that came into the support group meetings that were depressed about having diabetes, and we were always able to pull each other together. And that was my biggest piece of support was the support groups. Leola, I, I think I think that's great because I I did that too. I went to a support group and uh, it was it was very very enthusiastic and we could talk about anything. And years later, I even tried to start a type one diabetic support group and and put out the ads and 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 put out the the the, the clippings and and tried to do it. no and nobody showed up <laughs> mm-hmm. so i didn't i didn't try anymore but but i did try it, it is important it is important mm-hmm. we were well, able you know, that's to stay together because for years, our next but... guest coming up oh go on leola and and then i'll say something i'm sorry i was just saying we were able to stay together for years but Eventually, we all did grow apart. Like I said, I had to leave the city, um, but we still have our Facebook group, and every once in a while, someone will say something, but we're not as strong as we were in the beginning. We, like I say, had our meetings. We did walks together. We had the backings of quite a few organizations. It was great in the beginning. And I want to say that coming up, we're going to be talking to a woman who is running an amazing online diabetes support advocacy agency called Beyond Type 2 Diabetes. We're going to hear all about her story and about what not only Beyond Type 2 is doing to change the community, but also type uh, Beyond Type 1. But first, I think going to a support meeting for the very first time takes a lot of courage. So I thought we'd play Pink's song, Courage, off Hard to Be Human, courtesy of Sony Music. Tiara Smith. Hi, Tiara. 
Hi, Hello, Matt. Tia. How are you? Great. Yes. Thank you yes, for joining I'm us. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Tiara. We're doing a diabetes. We're doing a diabetes roundtable tonight in the spirit of our ninth year celebration. So. Uh, while you're talking to me, you're also talking to our Charlie's Angel Outreach, Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta. We have Catherine Lawrence from New Orleans, who's celebrating 50 years of living well with type 1 diabetes. And Leola Collins, I don't know, Leola, where are you from? I'm in Detroit now. You're, oh, you're in Detroit, living with type 2 yes. diabetes. And um, and you're calling, now you live in California, correct, Tia? That's right. That's right. I'm from Baltimore, right. but I, um, I'm calling from California. Well, I thought this would be really special tonight because we have type 1 and we have type 2 representing, but not everyone falls into those classifications, which is kind of your story. So I <laughs> wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about your diagnosis to Diva story, as we say at Diva Bedding. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's funny because I actually just celebrated my first or my second diversity from when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes um, a few days ago. But I found out a few months ago that I actually have ladder diabetes, which is a form of type 1. And um, I don't know how my first couple of doctors um, missed it, but I went to go see an endocrinologist earlier this year, um, and she pretty much guessed from my symptoms that I had Ladder. Um, so, like when I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, I uh, I was pretty active. I was active all the time, um, trying to become a fitness competitor, and I was eating well all the time too. So technically, I was doing everything quote unquote right, I guess. Um, but also, like something else that I noticed was that my medication wasn't as effective after a while. So it didn't matter if I was still taking my same insulin or even taking more insulin, my blood sugar was always elevated. So um, that was also like an indicator for her as well, for my endocrinologist. And then the results came back and it showed I had a form of type 1 diabetes. So I'm officially diagnosed with bladder. That had to be really challenging. And we have heard this story before, Patricia, about this misdiagnosis. So um, going back a little bit further, though, you were first diagnosed with pre-diabetes. Then you went and you were diagnosed in 2017 with type 2 diabetes. And now, how recently did you find out you were living with ladder diabetes? Ooh, uh, April 20th, so almost three months ago. Wow. And, and how, so how has, your, um, how has your care changed day to day with this new diagnosis? Yeah, so um, actually I wear a CGM now, um, which I got about a few weeks before my ladder diagnosis. Um, I'm much more aware of things like hypoglycemia. Um, I went from taking basal insulin to also taking rapid-acting insulin. Um, I, I had to carb count. So I used to carb count years ago before um, I officially had diabetes. So I kind of had to get back into the swing of that. So I used like my fitness pal to keep me keep me up to date with that. Um, I'm much more aware of like alerting friends and family of potential diabetic emergencies, um, especially because of hypoglycemia. Like taking taking two different insulins and 
also metformin, and also I'm I'm much more active than I have been in a while. I go hiking all the time, so um, I'm much more aware of like low blood sugar. So, and I live alone, so I actually have a thing set up with my mom where she expects to hear from me around a certain time every day, um, just because just in case if I, if I like suffer from like low blood sugar during when I'm sleeping, because I've had a few a few nighttime lows as well. Um, I'm much more aware of keeping, like, candy inside of my purse and always keeping, like, rapid-acting insulin on me just in case my blood sugar spikes for whatever reason. Well, I want to I ask the three of you a question. I want to ask um, Leola, Catherine, and first I'm going to ask you, Tiara. Like, when you, you know, when you're living with something and you're not quite sure what it is, a lot of people might choose not to go forward and find out, you know. So at some point, even though you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, it still wasn't working to the point where you were hiking. What would you say to someone out there who's kind of uh, not willing to go forward? Because we hear this a lot, right, Patricia, that people, you know, they don't, a lot of people just don't want to know. So there's something in all three of you that when you dealt with some kind of issue in your health condition, you actually pursued it and advocated on your own to go forward. I'm curious to know what that was. How, what, what, was the, what was the spark that made you uh, research this and find out this new diagnosis? Uh, Tiara, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. So from the beginning, like, for, I would say like six years ago, when I started my health and wellness journey in general, like, I've always taken my health seriously since then. So, and to me, it's not about, you know, how I feel today. It's how I'll feel a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, uh, when I'm older and middle-aged. Um, it's always about thinking about my health as a future. So, and to me, the only way I can really handle that is if I handle my business today. Um, and for the people who are who aren't in that space yet, I think you also have to figure out, like, what about your health is important to you. So for me, um, it's not just diabetes that's important to me. It's also like the chances of having a stroke or having heart disease. Um, I'm a black woman, so it's uh, more um, predisposed to get heart disease or even have a stroke. So I'm always worried about those health outcomes. Um, But then also think of it from like the more joyous part of life. I like to have control over it. Um, I don't like to let, I don't like to let things happen to me. If I can control it, I will. Um, because I want to get as much out of my life as possible. And I would also, you know, recommend that to someone else too, like think about how you want to spend your days. I don't, I would rather not spend every day of my life worrying about diabetes. I would like to have it under control enough um, so, that way, so that way I can enjoy other parts of my life too. And hiking is one of those things. Cooking is one of those things. Just kind of hanging out by the pool is one of those things. And it's easier for me to to. to Revel in the little things if I know that I can, like, have my, my diabetes in check as well. All right. I love it. All right. Now, Catherine, you you were yeah. living with uh, 30 years into your diagnosis, you started having some stomach problems, and which I'm sure after dealing with the eye issue, which you were talking about, this had to be something that concerned you. So what pushed you forward to really want to get uh, to the place where you are today, where you're, where you're just talking so passionately about how much you talk to your pharmacist about what's going on, so you're fully aware of the entire picture going on in your body, as well as how you react to medications, as well as how your body reacts well, to them, and so on. 
Well, uh, to tell you the truth, it, 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 I had a, I had a, I had a female pharmacist at the time, and she was so, she knew everything about, you know, my medicine, et cetera, and uh, I, I was having issues that nobody could find, uh, stomach issues that nobody could find an answer to, uh, and I was in and out of the hospital, in and out of the emergency room many, many times with severe pain, and. Uh, I call it my solar plexus area, which is uh, right right in the middle, right above the of the chest, and uh, uh, it just um, nobody could find out what was wrong. So so they're doing tests and they're giving me drugs and they're giving me other drugs. And if this drug doesn't work, they give me another drug. And my pharmacist said, I cannot believe that you're standing here in front of me with the amount of drugs that these doctors are giving you or doing, you know. And I said, I know. And I was falling asleep at, at my computer. I ha- ended up having to quit my job because I couldn't uh, work anymore. And um, I had to go on disability because of that. And they still to this day do not know what caused that. And, I, and I'm still, I, I went to a gastroenterologist that helped me and gave me a drug that has kept these attacks at bay and I take I take this drug every day, and I have to. I'm taking it twice a day now, and uh, to 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 keep it that way, it's um, it's unbelievable. And and it it just it was it was it was very very uh, uh, disheartening and um, uh, and and very very uh, scary. And I I pulled through it. Um, I, I'm doing okay now, um, but it it, it took a lot of what I like to do in life away from me, uh, which was, was the, the job that I had, which was a, a legal secretary. And I loved, I loved my work and I loved to do it. And, and it, um, but, but I'm with Tiara and everything she said about, no, I, and I can control it and I don't want it controlling me. And I do want to live every day to the fullest and go out there and help everyone else that I can to my best of my ability, uh, uh, diabetic or not, but especially diabetics, especially diabetics. I could, I could go around the country and speak on this if someone would pay for it. <laughs> it's just, I love it. it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's amazing what diabetes can do to a person's body, but it, it can be controlled and it can be done, and I, and I've done it for 50 years. But but back to the subject at hand, um, that that was that that that, that stomach uh, that stomach stomach episode, which is still with me today, uh, and they still don't know what it is. Um, um, at one time, they thought it was my liver, so it was just mm, it was awful. It was awful at the time, and um, but it's much much better now. And I, and I do want I do want to go out and, and, and do my best every day. Fantastic. All right, Leola, you talked earlier about gum disease, but you've had some other struggles with your diabetes. And um, right. I'm curious because you are so passionate. You're online all the time. You're a member of several support groups, and uh, you're an advocate, and you give support online to so many people. Tell us a little bit about that story and how you kind of turned it around to get to where you are today. Because these are the things that people um, need to hear out there who are scared and nervous and don't want to know. Right. And I had a little bit of both of their stories. Um, I was 
opposite here. I was initially I I was literally in the hospital um, for six days with my initial diagnosis, and I had a doctors that would come in and say I was type two. The nurse may come in and say I'm type one. We kept going back and forth with that, and the doctor released me from the hospital with blood sugar still going over 400, and I went home with that and back to the emergency maybe the next night. And it just became one of those things where they were telling me, well, if you would take care of yourself, this wouldn't happen. I'm like, no, if you told me not to eat a cupcake, it would kill me. I'm not going to do that. So it was a matter of becoming your own advocate and pushing it through and just staying on top of it. You can't rely on someone else to take care of you. And one of the most important things for me was that I wanted to maintain my independence. So I had to figure out a way to come to grips with this. And literally each time my blood sugars went over 400, I would return to the doctor to find out what was going on. And they would feed me a lot of insulin, send me home, and the same thing would happen. And I was talking to a friend whose mother was living with diabetes too, and she asked her doctor to refer me to a endocrinologist in my area and he diagnosed me with type 1 diabetes at 39 and once I got that diagnosis and got on a treatment plan I was fine Um, like I say participating in the support groups and I actually did go around the country speaking to other patients about living with diabetes and just from the patient perspective and encouraging them that we can do this and I think that's a lot of what keeps me going is being there to support other people because if I'm yeah. not taking care of myself, I can't help others. And I agree. I... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You no, can you can go. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that uh, when you talked about it. You do have to be your own advocate when you go to your doctor. You have to be. Uh, you have to ask the questions. You cannot just sit back and let the let the doctor say, okay, this looks okay, okay, this looks okay. Well, guess what? I looked at it too, and it doesn't look okay to me, so explain it to me. Ask the questions. Ask all the questions you want until you get the answer. Absolutely. You, you know, you have to be your own advocate. I love it. Right. Wait, this I actually want to make over your diabetes. We did this program for uh, several years, Patricia and I, we're going to take a quick bake, break, and when we come back, we're going to meet the founder of Glamazon um, Beauty Cosmetics, Kim Baker. So hold on a second. We're going to listen to a little bit more pink, and then we're going to get right back into the discussion. In the I mean, my whole thing was lipstick and laughter when I started in 2000. Oh, 
what year was that? Five, maybe? I started in 2003, but then I think I did my first makeover program <laughs> at 2005. And guess what? We're going to take a, a makeover break because we were just talking about attitude. We're bringing in the fabulous founder of Glamazon Beauty Cosmetics, Kim Baker. She's a plus-size model. She's a makeup artist. Kim, are you there? Because we've got lots of divas in the house with us right Hello. now. Hello. Hi, everybody. How are Hello. you? Hello. Hi. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Doing well listening to you ladies. You heard all the attitude, and uh, it's amazing, right? This is the kind of stuff that uh, when Patricia and I would travel around the country with our team, uh, these were the kind of conversations we would have. And the thing I loved the most was sometimes makeup is a great way to just kind of give someone a boost of confidence to make the strides we just heard these women making. And so um, you were helping us tonight because we posted a big challenge on uh, our Facebook page where we were talking about gum disease mm-hmm. earlier. We had all these people okay. answer the question correctly. Uh, Patricia, give us a quick recap of what we were talking about with the gum disease issue and diabetes. Uh, the gum disease issue we were describing is that it, it comes from the high blood sugars, the dry mouth, uh, the extra bacteria in the mouth, and um, oh. a lot of people not understanding that they need that extra dental care, uh, daily care, flossing mm-hmm. regularly, um, using mouthwash, brushing, of course, and regular mm-hmm. dental checkups. And some people in early um diagnosis of gum disease, then there is the uh, deep cleaning that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And so it has right. to be done. It's not something that you can just escape. So uh-huh. those are the kind uh-huh. of things that we discussed and we talked about throughout makeover as well. Um, a lot of complications that are little known and the kinds of things that people, the general public, the consumer really does not think about. Right. Wow. All right, so, Kim, we're going to give away. Uh, right now we're going to do we, – we played the game. We had, like, 55 people uh, take the quiz who got the answer right online. We're going to give away uh, Glamazon giveaway right now, Glamazon Beauty. So tell them what they're going to get. They're going to get a lip gloss, so a lipstick, and a mascara. Can... Tell us about the line. Yes, Absolutely. So Glamazon Beauty is actually a um, a skincare-focused line. So it's not your typical makeup where, you know, it's very heavy or to cover, to camouflage. It's just kind of to enhance your natural beauty. So the foundations are perfect for a diabetic. You know why? Because a lot of times diabetics tend to have dry skin, and the, the formula has hyaluronic acid in it, so it's to you know, help retain moisture to the skin, and it gives the skin a, a, a glow, and so does the um, so does the uh, liquid lipsticks. I know a little bit about diabetes because my daughter's uh, grandfather has it. Um, no one in my maternal side has it, but um, my daughter's uh, grandfather has it, and he's actually an amputee as a result of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there are things that are, but, you know, he's not like you ladies, w- which I can see are really on top of your situation. He still wants to drink the Pepsi, so he needs to, I, I'm going to actually give him the information because he needs to come on to the show. 
Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, he really does. Because I think you guys would inspire him to get on the right track. Um, but, yes, so, you know, there, it's, a, it's a cosmetic brand. It's a cosmetic brand with a beauty benefit. So, um, and it's, it's all all shades of women, right? From porcelain skin to the most beautiful darkest tone, correct? Say that again. You have all you cover all shades of women and men because a oh, lot of the men yes, are wearing makeup. Absolutely, right? we are a multicultural beauty brand. You know, we all cover right, so all shades from the lightest shade of porcelain to the deepest shade of ebony. Okay, because we, we have three divas on. So we're we're going to give away one prize, but I'm going to ask you right now because it's our ninth year anniversary, and I have these three wonderful women on the show tonight. <laughs> Actually, I have four. If we could extend this giveaway, and you could give away um, one, two, three. I have Patricia, Catherine, Leola, uh, Tiara, and then you're going to – can you do five packages for our ninth anniversary? Would you mind doing that? Yes, of course. All right, ladies, you're all getting your little uh, Glamazon Beauty giveaway. I'll be emailing you with the information tomorrow. But first, you have to choose a number from 1 to 50 so we can award the final diva of the night. And then we have a game coming up that you're all going to play. So first, uh, choose a number of 1 from 50 so I can see who our lucky winner is tonight. Don't say it yet. I have to give you the drum roll. Choose a number. Uh, Kim Baker, please choose a number. Oh, you want me to choose a number? 21. One to yeah, Kim Baker. You know anything else, Patricia? Do you have a number? Oh, a number? Uh, Hold on, what number? Fourteen. Was it thirteen or fifteen? One four. Ooh la la. Uh, Julie Latham, you're our winner for tonight for and you'll be getting the um Glam Glamazon Beauty cosmetic giveaway that includes lip gloss, lipstick, and mascara. And we just found out tonight that it is a full skincare line as well and can help with dry skin. So that's amazing. We have a couple of questions in our gla- in our glam grab bag for you, uh, Kim. And then we're going to challenge our three div- divas to a diabetes self care game. So first, let's take a couple questions because I had Stella from Providence, Rhode Island, write in who said. Um, what do you do if your lipstick dries your lips? Since you were just talking about dry dryness and diabetes, what do you do if your lipstick is drying your lips? Specifically, I think she's talking about matte lipsticks tend to be a little bit drier. Well, that's what, ironically, that's what I I perfected is that I have this lipstick called Hydro Matte. It gives the look of matte, but it gives the feel of cream because I hate the way matte lipsticks make your lips feel dry, and I'm all about hydration. And, ladies, we all know after 20 years old, you better do whatever you can to retain moisture everywhere. So <laughs> my, that's, uh, that's exactly my, why I don't uh, wear matte lipsticks do now. exactly that. Yeah. Oh, okay, and then Gloria from Ireland, we, we do have our um, – around the world, listeners tuning in. She wanted to know how you stop your lipstick from bleeding. Specifically, she said it creeps up into the small wrinkles around her mouth. Lip, uh, lip pencils. 
That's what a lip pencil does. It it actually stops bleeding, and it, it captures the lipstick. So you would apply your lip liner and then apply the lipstick in the inside. And we'll take one more question from the three divas. Does anyone have a question or four? I'll conclude you in this, Patricia. Anyone have a question for um, Kim Baker on makeup? I do. So if you have, like, natural, like, dry skin around, let's say, like, your nose um, and, like, around your cheeks and forehead, what are some, like, great moisturizers for that? Because I know this is, like, that okay. does dry my skin out. I can't hear. I'm sorry. Oh, can you repeat it one more time, Kiara? Yeah, like what are some like great moisturizers to put around like your like your nose and your forehead where the skin can be driest? Do you have a great I moisturizer that you can put around your nose and your forehead in case uh, she's dry around the <laughs> T-zone, I think? Well, uh, you know what? Yep. One of my favorite moisturizers on the market is by, it's called Hydro Boost by Neutrogena, that to me is it's a gel. That to me is one of the best moisturizers because it's not oily and it's not drying. So it's like the perfect mixture. It's a gel. So it really hydrates your dry areas and your normal areas. It just, you know, it keeps it high. And it has the hyaluronic acid as well. What's it called? Hydro Boost by Neutrogena. That is one of my favorite uh, moisturizer. Okay. We're going to have to blog about that tomorrow. You can Kim find Baker, it We love having you on the show. You're going to be back next month helping us out with more beauty giveaways, and thank you for doing that for our anniversary. You're going to love this, Kim, okay. and so I hope that everyone I'm else listening. This is, um, all right, so we started in July 2010, nine years ago, and the whole reason I agreed to host this podcast because I had created a game called Diabetes Numerology, which is a self-care game, and we're going to play it now. It combines, um, well, I'm not going to describe it. I'm going to let myself from nine years ago describe it, and then, ladies, we're all going to play this game. Here we go. Amy, are you ready to try your hand at Diabetes Numerology? Sure am. Okay, here's how it works works. I'm going to read you a random blood glucose value along with a real-life situation, and then I'm going to ask you to tell our audience how you would deal with this situation. Next, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach will discuss your solution and share some other tips for people living with diabetes who are listening to the program. Remember, everybody out there, if you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone, so check with your doctor first to find out what your specific game plan should be. And Feel free to go out right now to divabag.org and download a free game book. All right, Amy, here's your diabetes numerology situation. Your blood glucose value is 90, and your situation is after sunbathing all day on George Clooney's private sailboat, you're unsuspectingly you're thrown overboard topless into shark-infested waters because of a strong (laughs) gust of wind and George's poor sailing skills. How would you handle this situation? All right, we're going to go right back to live now. Uh, Catherine Lawrence, we're going to start with you. You're in the water with George Clooney. You're out on Lake Cuomo. You have a 90 blood sugar. Now you're topless with the sharks. What are you going to do? Okay. 
Well, I'm not worried about being topless, but um, but the 90 blood sugar, um, I'm going to do my best to have someone throw me a rope or a uh, life preserver uh, so that I don't have to make the effort and make the blood sugar go lower by swimming back to the boat. Uh, I would hope that, uh, that uh, George Clooney would have a, a life preserver on the boat and someone would see me fall over and help me to get me back to the boat without too much energy being used. I love it. How's she do, Patricia? She's doing well. Um, you know, just finished sunbathing. You're probably a little bit dehydrated, and now you're in the water, and you have extra adrenaline flowing because the sharks are right on your trail. And so those are the kind of things you got to think about as well. But it's quick thinking. But hopefully you have um, had some hydration and because you were in the sun. Hopefully you were taking care of those kinds of things. And it hasn't been too, too long since you ate something. And out of 90, you're okay right now. But who knows um, how much longer you're going to have before that rescue comes. So, that's oh, that's true. All right, Leola, <laughs> how would you handle this? You're in the water. Just you just had a moment with George Clooney, and now you're topless, swimming around ninety. You got a ninety blood glucose level. There's a shark coming your way. Um, I think I would handle it pretty much the same way. Is in terms of just working my way out of the water, throwing on the shirt and grabbing something to drink. But I'm totally okay with ninety being the blood sugar. Um, that piece didn't bother me. I don't foresee it going too low, but just making sure that I get back to the to land and relax, pretty much. Um, and Tiara, if you saw that ninety because you're wearing a continuous glucose monitor and that that number was trending down, what would you do? Oof, um, kind of like what uh, I think it was Patricia who said, like kind of get. I don't try to get out the water hopefully as fast as possible. Um, 90 is not a number that I will be concerned about. Um, however, I will be worried that my blood sugar is going to trend down. Um, so I would just hope that someone could at least throw me a ring and bring me back in as soon as possible. Otherwise, I will just kind of have to go for it and swim back to the boat as quickly as possible. And, you know, Catherine, like you mentioned this device earlier about the continuous glucose monitor and what a huge help it has been in the 50 years of managing your diabetes well. It is something that you rely on pretty regularly now, isn't it? That's right. How do you use those numbers? Are those trending numbers really helping you? Because I think yeah. more people oh need God. to know so, what this does. Yeah, so... The CGM is a game changer. Um, like whenever I see, so like on my CGM, I use a um, a Libre. So it, I have a number, I have a trending arrow that goes steadily up or um, straight as a neutral or like straight up or straight down to show like if my blood sugar is rising or falling quickly. And like so, if I see my blood sugar is trending down, that tells me that okay, I need to probably eat something soon. If I see that my blood sugar is trending like up, like like way up. Does that mean it's like I need to see what I ate previously that's making it do that, or did I have a workout or something like that? 
And that usually means I need to prepare a few extra units of insulin um, to collect have, for that. Have you used any other CGM or was Delibre the first? Delibre has been the first. Um, I haven't okay. seen if my insurance will get me approved for other ones. And Patricia, did you, anything else you want to add for the numerology game? Well, the ladies seem well prepared, but um, we always encourage you to have snacks or something that you can run to in in critical situations. However, you've been thrown in the water. I don't know how intact those snacks are if they're still up on the ship. <laughs> But, you know, just keep that in mind in usual circumstances that whenever you're out and about to keep something with you that you can readily get to and, and go to in case of low blood sugar. I carry uh, I carry liquid glucose and glucose tablets in my purse at all times. Very good. And I just want to say if you were all overboard, that would give me more time alone with George Clooney. All right. On that note, <laughs> I want to thank all the demons for being a part of the show and being a part of our ninth year anniversary podcast. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. This has been uh, such a joy and a pleasure. Before we go, I'm just going to give uh, parting re- – I'm going to let everyone make some parting remarks, but I, I want to say uh, one thing that I wrote down somewhere if I could find it. Oh, yes. Um, I really appreciated the three of you sharing your stories of how you overcame an obstacle because my whole journey in doing this has always been about not being able to help my former boss, Luther Vandross, stop a stroke. And as I've mentioned on this podcast before and at live events, he felt a headache about a week before, a a continuous headache, and that is a sign of a stroke. And I wish we had taken action. And uh, you can't go back in time. You could only go forward. So I just want to say to everyone, I appreciate that attitude tonight and the advocacy because I think it's so important uh, not only that you advocate for yourself, but you have friends and family around you who are working together with you as a team uh, to boost your spirit. So uh, that's my final comment. Catherine Lawrence, 50 years living with heaven, diabetes. What do you want to say? I I have a final comment. I noticed on your uh, website you had a little saying that um, motivation is what gets you started, and that's so true. And that motivation comes from doctors, certified diabetes educators, family, friends, husbands, uh, uh, partners, etc. And and yeah, and and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is hard to get motivated, but if you have the support around you, if you're lucky enough to have the support around you, it can be done, and then the commitment is what keeps you going. You know, do, and I've always said this, do those blood tests and be your own advocate when you see your doctor. It's it's so very, very important because it, it can be done. Diabetes is is, let's use the word, workable, and and it can be hard at times, and it can be lovely at times. And it's those lovely times that make up for those hard times because if you take care of yourself and you watch what you do and you go to your doctors or your specialists, uh, yeah, it, it, it can be done, and you can live a, a, a very decent, uh, pretty healthy life. And congratulations, Bravo. Max, on, on, on nine years. You, you have done a superb job. 
Thank you. Uh, TR, we never got to hear much about uh, type two di beyond type 2 diabetes. Tell everyone about that so they can come visit your website, find out more about your amazing yeah. organization. Awesome. First, thanks, Max, for again, inviting me on. And we love the work that you do. And, and you also wrote a story for us that everyone should check out on how you got into diabetes advocacy um, at, at the work with Ethan Daniel. Um, so for everyone, Beyonce 2 is uh, focusing on type 2 diabetes and building a community. Um, we show the lifestyle aspect of living with diabetes. We show people that type 2 is not a death sentence, and we are working on breaking all the stereotypes associated with it. So um, we, you know, we know that there are stereotypes and stigmas, like you have to be fat or lazy to get diabetes, and that is not true. Uh, we focus on empowerment tactics and making sure that people have the best resources to learn about food, mental health, um, diabetes management, and exercise. So we also connect people. So we want to make sure that people with diabetes always have a place to turn to and to talk about their stories of what type 2 diabetes. That is, that is our foundation. And we pride ourselves on being able to connect different people with type 2 diabetes to Learn that they have a lot in common and that they aren't alone. And you know, just you know, as wrapping up my comments, um, I agree that you definitely you need to be your own advocate and always remember that you are the number one person on your on your healthcare team. No one knows you like you know you. And yes, you have a team of professionals. You should rely on them, but that doesn't make you any less knowledgeable about yourself. So never forget that. Um, you know, you're, you see your PT professionals every now and then, but you're the one who's with you 24-7. So, you know, never feel ashamed or afraid to advocate for your own needs. Um, and then we also tell people at Beyond Type 2 to live Beyond Powerful, and we have an ongoing social media campaign about that where we share the story of people Type 2, and we show them living their best lives with it as well. I love it. Good luck to you, and I'm uh, looking forward to promoting more of what Beyond Type 2 is doing at Divabetic. Leola Collins, you were a surprise you. guest tonight. You've been phenomenal the entire show. Uh, what would you like to share with everyone in your parting words? Um, I would just say the biggest thing for me, or I think what helped me the best, is just being involved, finding those support groups, speaking with your doctor when you can, just making sure that you educate yourself and not just feel like you're alone and have to keep this diabetes a secret, but talk about it and see what you can learn from other people. Just stay on top of it in that sense. Um, it's nothing to be afraid of or ashamed of. The more you know, the more people know about what's going on with you, the better chances you have of winning at this. Amen. Good one. And Patricia Addy Gentle, you get the final comments tonight. Been with us for nine years, even dating back longer than that. But that's a whole other show. So uh, what would you like to say at the end of the show tonight? Well, I have enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed everybody's um, comments and their testimonies of, of their care and what the things that they've gone through. The one word of advice that I can leave is that when recognize when you're in a rut. Diabetes is a daily journey, and so every day there is something to do. Every day there is something to think about. You never go on vacation and leave your diabetes behind. It's something that you carry with you 24-7. And so 
there will be times when you just get tired, but recognize when you're in a rut and do something about it. You can't stay there. You have to find some motivation, somebody, some person who can bring you out. So that you should have that entourage of people around you, someone who you can go to. As one of the other ladies stated, it may be your care provider, it can be an educator, it can be a family member, but whomever, just recognize that you need help and ask for it. Don't be afraid to ask. I love that. And, you know, we're going to be back next month, Tuesday, August 13th, 2019, 6 to 7.30 p.m., we're going for a whole another nine years. So in the meantime, if you're looking for some motivation, little glamour, check out our Facebook pages, our videos on Mr. Divac's YouTube channel, or 150 podcasts available on demand at iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. I can't believe we hit this number. Incredible. Thank you, Patricia, for everything you do. Hey, remember, everybody, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and we're so glad to be part of yours. We're going to close the show with the last song of your life, courtesy of um, by Pink, courtesy of Sony Music. Have a good night, everybody. If you had one song left inside your soul, what would you you had one chance left before we're old The last song of your life What is it you wake for? Tell me who you are Not what you've rehearsed All the other Underneath this tree While you whisper
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.